When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, it's puppy three. It's puppy three season. Puppy three is filling, filling just as fast as every other puppy does. The last time I checked, 40 plus percent in, in less than a week. So we got to get our drafts in. And I've had to bring in a heavy hitter for a puppy three draft. We've been agreeing a little too much. So I think we're going we're gonna to stumble into some disagreements. But Jacob Sanderson, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, at FF underscore run the damn ball rtdb on on twitter make sure to give him a follow and he's gonna he's gonna say the things much more eloquently and much smarter that i've been trying to say about upside and how we can attack some of these drafts and hopefully we're gonna win a little bit of money with a puppy three draft right now All right, Jacob, it was uh, before we, we went live that you were saying, hey, don't don't shame me for my background. I'm looking <laughs> for my mom's basement. And it was fitting because I didn't have my audio set up correctly. And I was speaking into my AirPods when we just started. this. So we're, <laughs> we're kind of on the on the same same wavelength. How? <laughs> yeah. How, how is uh, how is everything thing going? Traveled home for for the weekend. Uh, how's how's preseason last night? There's a lot going on in your life here. Yeah, I, I, was, I wasn't even watching the Hall of Fame game. I'm from Winnipeg. You can see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers flag above me. I currently <laughs> live in Vancouver, uh, and the Blue Bombers were playing last night. So I like got to the airport early so that I could stream a CFL game off Reddit to watch the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play the Montreal Alouettes while drafting an underdog team while listening to the previous night's ship chasing. So that was my night last night. It was actually fantastic. That is great. That is great. That is that. Uh, so obviously I'm not from Canada. That sounds like peak Canadian best ball, bro. Like, uh, like yeah. if you had to describe an evening of a Canadian best ball, bro, that is it. Yeah, it was definitely like, it was one of those like stop if you have a problem type of situations <laughs> for sure. Um, there's like someone that writes like a CFL DFS column every week. I can't bring myself to do it because like I only watch bomber games and I'm just not objective. But the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, two-time Grey Cup champions, defending, uh, currently nine and zero. So it's good life being a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan right now. I just couldn't miss the game; I had to watch it from the airport. That is great. It's funny. Yesterday, um, I had Matthew Betts from the Fantasy Footballers on to talk about some injury stuff, and uh, I learned an absolute ton. And there was a Cam Meredith, if you remember the name Cam Meredith oh, reference that he, yeah. he, he, he dropped a Cam Meredith reference. And I was like, that's going to be the first and only Cam Meredith reference that ever happens on one of these shows. And this is also the first like actual, like soliloquy into Canadian, into the CFL. That's probably ever going to happen Wait, on, you on this know show. This, do you that Cam Meredith was on the blue bombers roster this year? No, I did not know that. I had no idea. I thought, I thought that total... that's where you were. 
No. So I thought that's where you were going with this, but that's hilarious. <laughs> Cam Meredith is a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. He never uh, played, but he was like on their he was like on their practice squad. That's so funny. That is hilarious. I swear to God, no. But yeah. it was it's the it was the one thing from the show where we were. I was like, <sighs> Jesus Christ, dude, you're really deep in the injury weeds if you're talking about Cam Cam Meredith. You know, he's dropping Cam Meredith references <laughs> in in, re- in regards to knee injuries and stuff. And so, I mean, I, I guess it was just meant to be. This was clearly That's this. True. This, what are the odds this, of that one? Yeah, sure. those are odds. Um, so we'll get into the puppy three. I know everybody gets anxious to fire into into the dress, but um, I did want to talk for just a minute before we we hopped in because yeah. you know I've seen a lot of tweets from you, content from you that is uh, that it hits home with me very frequently, and I obviously titled this um, about upside <laughs> and and everything in. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that is, Sorry, that is that pretty funny. Me. He couldn't make a CFL team and we were Cam, Yeah, Cam Meredith was like a uh, – he would have been we, – we probably would have been touting him that year. You know, he was the sure. breakout candidate and now he can't even make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I just recently have been done, done some content about just kind of up different ways to look basically at how we can capture upside specifically for this best ball format. And you've put out a lot of interesting thoughts on it. And so I just wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit and see if you had any just like first gut take thoughts on kind of these upside things, how, you know, how can we think about best ball through that upside, right? Whether it's contingency rookies, scenarios, all that kind of stuff, maybe a little bit different than the market kind of normally treats it, right? Like why is Josh Jacobs getting picked in the fourth round every year? It's because people aren't thinking about it in this way. Yeah, Josh Jacobs is like the perfect guy to like lead off this discussion because he's like, remember the dress where was, some people said it was blue and black. Some people said it was white and gold. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs is that dress. It's like every year, half of Twitter is like, he was a crappy pick because he scored 14 points per game. And the other half's like, he's a great pick. He scored 14 points per game. <laughs> yeah, <that is> true. <laughs> and it's like, we all see the same box score. Like we're all aware of the stats that everyone just disagrees whether it's good or bad. Um, when I enter like any sort of strategic game environment like a best ball tournament like anything like i'm not a football guy like i love football i love rooting for it i never played it um like i come at it from like a market perspective and so what i always try to think is like before i get into the micro like what kind of stuff because there's a lot of stuff that the market takes care of for you in any sort of strategic game and then you just have to figure out like how do we position ourselves to be directionally accurate like to me that's what an edge is is like what are the directionally accurate ways that the market is not accounting for certain things so that we can draft more efficiently. And what I tried to do is like, I was like, all right, I'm going to write this big, long best ball strategy series over the summer. And like, what are sort of the foundational principles that I want to talk about? Cause like, I don't want to just write a bunch of articles about like, this is a guy like in the fourth round. And this is a guy <laughs> like in the eighth round. Cause then half people reading, it'll be like, I don't like that guy. So what's the point of this article? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think is like, I call this best ball tournament DFS with a prologue which is like what I think it is. And it's, it's basically, you have a four-stage tournament, right? It's a four-stage tournament. One mm-hmm. of them happens to be 14 weeks. It also happens to be this, the stage where like there's by far the least expected value tied up. But yet it's the stage that everybody seemingly drafts for and prioritizes and categorizes who was good and bad, right? Like I spent a lot of time thinking about these advanced rates. People are saying, this is a good player. He had a good advanced rate. Why are those things synonymous, right? Like that's sort of a question that I want to ask. Like why is a good pick a pick who had a good advance rate? A good advance rate tells us who had a good advance rate. Maybe that tells us who, had, who was a good pick. Like it, it does to an extent, right? I saw you putting out this tweet about Jamar Chase and about like how can we say who was the best pick last year, right? I think that there are ways that we're playing a parallel game when we say this player was a good pick because of his advance rate. And similar when we say like 
this player is going to be good because he's going to beat his ADP. Like if I was to run a marathon and I was to run the fastest first mile and then everybody else passes me and <laughs> I end up losing, like, and then I could take and say, well, I ran the fastest first mile. It's like, well, maybe everybody else running that marathon, like would have ran a faster first mile than me if that's the game they thought they were playing, but they were playing the run 26 miles game and I was running the fastest first mile game. And so like by a factor of saying Brandon cooks, like being quote unquote likely to beat his ADP, like first of all, is it true? And second of all, and I think more importantly, like, does it matter? Like, is that the question we should be asking about these players? Does it matter if the RB 16 is more or less likely to go ahead of the RB 16, does the 51st percentile outcome is like that an outcome we should be optimizing for? Is that an outcome we should even care about? And then beyond that, it's like, what do I think the market is actually good at? Like the market is probably better than me in a vacuum at organizing the players based on the game that they think we should be playing. Right. Like I'm mm, not yeah. going to be as I like how you put that. the crowds. I like so, specifically how you put that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm willing to ascribe some <clears> level of wisdom to the crowds that like, I don't think that the market is actually analyzing like the wind condition of each player appropriately, but for whatever wind condition they're trying to discern, they're probably ordering them mostly right. appropriately or yes. at least more mm-hmm. appropriately than I would in a vacuum. So from that standpoint, like what I'm trying to focus on is less about like which players do I think individually based on whatever I think matters are better than their cost. It's more like which players do I think archetypally align with what I think matters that the market isn't accounting for enough and which players do I think align more with the things that the market is accounting for too much. And so what I ended up landing on as like my guiding principle for my drafts this year was what I call this like two tier archetypal drafting system, where basically like I try to in a really like binary way, like a pretty like subjective way, say like, which are the players are the archetypes that I want to be drafting? And then which are the players that aren't? And the players that aren't, I'm not going to draft them. And I'm not going to worry that much about their costs. And then the players that are, like, I'm going to draft more of the ones who also happen to come at costs that I really like. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that come at costs that I don't like, I'm just going to draft them anyway. But then what I'm going to do is be really, really intentional about why don't I like this player at this cost? And then how can I build lineups that maximize what they profile well and mitigate what I think that they don't do well? And so that's, that was the focus of my most recent article was like this two-tiered system. And what I'm really looking for with the archetypes is like, what are these functions that create wider bands for players, both season long and weekly in ways that aren't baked into like a median season long redraft style projection. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, from a season long perspective, it's like, which players have contingent value? Everybody, every player has contingent value to an extent, but like which players have more of it, right? Which players meaningful play contingent value? Yeah. Exactly. Which players play in offensive environments that maximize you being right? You know, if you are right, if you get lucky. Which players, you know, have the type of archetype in terms of how they're used, where they're paying off in a meaningful way in a given week? You know, even if season long. Which? How do we think about like the pressure of ADP? Right. I think of it in terms of like upward pressure and downward pressure. It's like Brandon Cooks has a lot of upward pressure. Like he exists on a depth chart with nobody else that's good. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> he is a pretty good player. And so his ADP is like, it's really, it's, it's, it's really getting a lot of upward pre- pressure based on projection. Who's facing downward pressure? It's like, well, people who have injury concerns are facing downward pressure. Yep. People on congested depth charts are facing downward pressure. 
players who are suspended face downward pressure. <laughs> like what are what are these types of players, right? Players that we think might have more of an untapped ceiling that we could get into that would be especially beneficial later in the season or in a one-week environment and in a large tournament than over the course of like a 1 to 14 median. And so that's sort of how I try to look at things in a vacuum and then, you know, it manifests in a number of different ways, be it player selection or roster construction or or all those types of things. But that's like the high level of of how I'm trying to approach each draft. I, I, someone, well, I'm going to get somebody to clip that off. I mean, I don't need to add anything more to what you just said. It was beautifully, beautifully put. Two, two things that I'm just, just going to, well, a follow up and a, and a, and a, a question as well. The main, the thing that you said that, like, I, I jumped in. And I was like, the way you said that was perfect because everybody says, oh, wisdom of the crowd, the market is going to smooth it all out, right? But that is with the assumption just as you put that the market kind of knows the game that they're playing. And I think in this specific environment, that couldn't be further from the truth, mostly because the people who do like know, you know, theoretically know, like we, you and I know what we're trying to solve for. We haven't figured out how to solve for it yet. So there's no, there's no way that when I enter a tournament with a million entrants that all these other slapdicks, you know, are optimizing (laughs) you know, are, are appropriately valuing these guys because I don't know how to do it and I'm tr- I'm actively trying to do it and they're not, right? They're the Josh Jacobs guys. They're the David Montgomery guys. They're the Zeke bros this year. They're that like they're those guys. They're Brandon Cooks. And I mean, you, you do it every day. I post a tweet, right, about during the Gabe Davis hype season. I'm done talking about Gabe Davis, but during the Gabe Davis thing, I'm like, <laughs> tell me, if I, if I can't draft Gabe Davis, who am I supposed to draft? Every fucking answer was Brandon Cooks. Literally, right. Everybody says yeah. says Brandon Cooks, People and so to that, that yeah. But it's to that point is I'm not even saying Brandon Cooks is the wrong answer. I'm saying the reasons why people will say Brandon Cooks is the right answer is wrong. So then, as you said, they're not they're not playing the game. They don't they don't even know how to play this game yet. So that's like the most important thing is why I want to spend the time trying to figure out this game. Like you mentioned ship chasing the other night, I brought up like. Um, the contingency thing again, but it was like everybody says, "Oh, Tony Pollard's way too expensive because he's a you know he's strictly a handcuff, whatever." You know, I can get a handcuff later, Daryl Henderson, and I love Daryl Henderson. I agree on him. him. He's literally my most drafted player. Yeah, I mean, he's a smash to me based on basically everything we're talking about here. But why? But I'm I'm trying to question these things. That like, why is it just because he's a contingent, more of a contingent bet? He's not just a contingent bet. More, uh, you know, his 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 win condition is contingency. Tony Pollard is. It's not. Yes. It's it's a, he's not just going to totally steal the role, right? Um, I'm trying in the Chiefs' backfield. Somebody could just take it, like Devin Singletary yeah. did, and run with it. He's not. Unfortunately, just going to like Zeke's not going to not play if he's healthy. So contingency is the win condition for him, but. Why is that less valuable than Antonio Gibson having a week one projection that's higher when he has a two different conditions in terms of contingency McKissick and Brian Robinson have to either get hurt or just be that bad. And then even then you have a workhorse on the Carson Wentz Washington football team or commanders or whatever the fuck they're called. Like that's not, that's not even more valuable than Pollard. So I'm trying to think through those things from this, again, this upside lens and everything that you said, the archetypal like thing where it's like we perceive because we value the market values, the Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery's and Zeke's and, and those guys of the world in a, such a way we perceive that then Tony Pollard, he 
why I can't take him in the eighth round. What are you talking about? He's a, he's just a, you know, he's a handcuff. And I'm trying to be like, I, I don't know if that's true. I, I don't really know if that's true. So is there anything like that that you've thought through? Yeah. Like I, I love that. Um, I love that theory. Like when I was talking about like pressure, this is like a great manifestation of that where it's so weird to me. People say this guy's a contingent value running back. Everyone is a contingent value running back. Like yes, there's contingencies yes. everywhere. That's the position. Right? That's how the position like, works. <laughs> it's, it's literally a position that's just based on like, who's the guy that they decide to hand the ball to. Right. And of course, like we can be more certain than, with some guys that they're going to be the one that they hand the ball to than others. Like I'm not trying to be a total obnoxious person being like, I don't know if, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to get the work this year, but like, there's all these types of situational contingencies that I think people like whistle past, right? It's like, what if Treston Ebner is playing on third downs? You know, what if Tony Pollard is playing in the two minute drill? What if, um, what if the Packers use two running back sets on 30% of their plays or 10% of their plays, right? Like there's all these little things that aren't just like player one is the starter player two is the backup. Like if people think about how expected fantasy points get created, it's like a, it's a conglomeration of like a tiny or of a bunch of little usage tendencies. Like what's the difference between the Cowboys backfield and the lions backfield from a usage perspective, because on early downs, in rushing situations, there's almost no difference between how Pollard and Zeke are deployed than how Swift and Williams are deployed. But the differences are that Swift gets all of the long down and distance work, which means he gets the two minute drill, which means he plays in catch up mode. And the Lions sucked last year, which means they were <laughs> always in catch up mode, which means that Swift was getting these 75% snap shares, whereas Zeke is the one who gets all of that long down and distance work, right? But what if they decide, I mean, this was happening at practice. They were like, Pollard is getting the two-minute drill work in practice, and he's playing on these third-down packages. Is that going to happen in week one? I don't know. But, like, you flip that thing, it's like, well, now the equation entirely changes, right? Now it's not just, like, Zeke gets hurt or Zeke isn't the starter. Fuck, Jamal Williams started eight games last year. Yeah, right. right. Like, it doesn't, right? So it's like it does all these little contingencies, right? And with Antonio Gibson, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, he's probably the nominal starter. What does that look like? Is he playing in passing situations? Well, no, like McKissick's certainly going to be playing in those, or at least we can be pretty darn certain based on them driving up to Buffalo, kidnapping him and bringing him (laughs) back to the DMV. Um, Like, is he going to be playing in goal line situations? Is he going to be like, we don't know, right? There's a lot of uncertainty. And so what I try to think is like, let's cut through all of that micro projection and think like, what's the outcome that we need to optimize for? Because that's the one that ultimately matters. And like whatever Gibson's best case scenario is, it's like, yeah, he needs to hit a two-way parlay on either injuries or coaching decision. And then he needs the commanders not to suck. Right. So that's like, like we all mostly do some form of sports betting. Like people can envision what the odds would be on that parlay versus like Zeke to get hurt. Right. Like, I think that that's an easier parlay. (laughs) Frankly, that's an easier bet to make is like old running back gets hurt than like McKissick gets hurt. Brian Robinson doesn't get any work and Carson Wentz becomes 2017 Carson Wentz again. Like I don't really <laughs> want to make that bet necessarily. So yep. that's a lot of what I'm thinking of for sure. Um, in, in those type of situations. I love it. Um, and this is a funny comment, Carlos, this is when, you know, I'm getting excited about a subject. That's how, you know, that's what it sounds like. We're firing off. Like, no, 
fuck you, you know, to the running back guys. Uh, you can't tell me that Tony Pollard is overpriced, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, this is this is pretty funny. By itself, the commanders to not suck is uh, is yeah, is a long is a lo- is that. is a long shot. Uh, assuming everybody's healthy, so oh, let's start. Uh, can let's... I get one more one more point point in? I, I was going to yes. address this and I totally forgot. You're mentioning about stuff that you post on Twitter and like the Brandon Cooks replies to your Gabe Davis thing. I think <laughs> the biggest like Apple falling on the head moment for me on Twitter was when I posted this tweet about like how much I hate people saying like the phrase beat ADP. Like it drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care if a player beats ADP. Like it's a parallel game. It's not like what we should consider. And then what actually shocked me more is like, I expected people to disagree, which like is fair. I like posted it in a pretty aggressive tone. Um, but what all the disagreement was, was people being like, yeah, but you shouldn't reach on guys. And I was like, when did I say you should reach on guys? Like, yeah. I was like, I actually care like a lot about price, right? Like I'm, I'm pretty price conscious in my drafts. Like if I'm reaching, I'm reaching in an intentional way in the sense of like, how do I get T Higgins and Stefan Diggs in the same team together? But I'm not mm-hmm. like just arbitrarily reaching being like, well, these are my ranks and the market's wrong. Yep. So I'm going to take this guy in the third. Like I don't do that, but like what, what I do care about or what I don't care about as much as price is cost like i'm not gonna say like i'm not gonna let everyone that likes gabe davis and push him up into round four deter me from drafting someone who fits my archetype like i think that's silly i think gabe davis is overpriced like i'm sure we probably disagree with that i'm sure we have different projections on that so gabriel davis is not a guy who's going to be on 20 percent of my teams he's a guy who's probably going to be on like eight percent of my team so because i'm not going to look there and be like well i like jerry judy more so never drafting Gabe because he goes above Judy. It's like, no, I'm going to draft Gabe. And then the more important question to me is like, so I have a player who I think projects poorly at cost. How do I, how do I get the best out of this pick? Right? Well, I'm not going to draft as much of them as I will other players to fit my archetype. So I probably want to like have him in more game stacks. And then specifically I'm thinking like, what's the use case for this player, a player who I think has the archetype. It doesn't project well at the cost. Well, the benefit of that too, you know who loves Gabe Davis? Every zero RB bro on earth, <laughs> they fucking love Gabe Davis, right? Well, if I have a player who I think projects pretty poorly for a round four cost, he probably actually doesn't fit that well in zero RB where I really need my round four wide receiver to score a bunch of points. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to draft Gabe Davis on like a higher percentage of robust starts or like by mobile mm-hmm. starts yep. where he's like the wide receiver one of nine or of 10. And then I think people like stop at this point where it's like, what if Gabe Davis projects poorly and he isn't good for 14 weeks? Well, okay. Maybe he gets replaced by Khalil Shakir or he gets injured, but in like the world where that's like outside the error bars, then what do I have? I have a player who projected poorly at cost performed poorly at cost is thus low owned. And now what do I have? I have a low owned downfield, every down wide receiver on the bills yeah. against the Bengals in the final don't I want a low owned every town wide <laughs> receiver on the bills against the Bengals in the final? So it's like, I feel like when we draft these sort of wider band archetypes with more risk built in, we get a double benefit. It's like, A, there's more chance that that's going to be the massive hit that you didn't expect that's going to propel you, that's going to be the league winner. And then if they're not, then I increase my odds of getting a low owned player through. And it's like creates this barbell team. Um, when you enter in where it's like, if you have all these, if you're drafting a lot of these rookies and a lot of these breakout archetypes together, it's like, I'm, I feel like I'm more likely going at these high variance profiles to land on some league winners. And I'm also more likely to land on like 
the low advancement rate bros <laughs> that are going to be yeah. hopefully, you know, getting me into the, getting me in at low ownership. Definitely. So something I was looking up, I was trying to look up while you were uh, doing that. I, of course, hold on. Uh, so here's a fun, here's a fun one with, with Jamar, Jamar Chase as a, the, okay. using this as an example. Yeah, I can, I can just pull this up really quickly before we, before we hop in. So again, the advance rate bro conversation, right? So in best ball mania yeah. two last year, everybody has this perception. Jamar Chase has been on my mind in case you can't tell today. Um, right. Which, I mean, <laughs> the guy probably owns a little real estate in my brain. I mean, he scored 50 <laughs> no, fantasy points. Mind. Yeah, he's, he's, on, he's on there more frequently than a lot of other males uh, that I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, he, so Jamar Chase had the 59th highest advance rate in Best Ball Mania 2 right. last year. So, like, that's actually after his ADP. Right, I know now. There's some there's some guys yeah. in here, so it's probably ahead of his eighty. Right, Reggie Bonifon is in here. Isaiah Hodgins, Brian Brian Hill. Shout out to Brian Jack Hill. Doyle. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, so there's obviously you know it's it's higher than fifty nine, but he wasn't appreciably better from an advance rate perspective than his ADP, especially because he was actually more of a fourth round pick most of the year. Ended up in, at the end falling into the fifth because he couldn't catch the ball, and uh, you know so that kind of skewed things a little bit. But but that's fine. So he he beat. I guess if we use advance rate, he beat ADP a little bit, yeah. you know, because he, he was good. He had a, and that's the other thing is we, I, I, I can't get past this. And I don't know, I don't know what the right answer is because I haven't like really researched it super thoughtfully. Twitter is my stream of consciousness. Usually I'm just thinking about something and I post it. People are going to hate it usually. So we just throw it out there and let them, uh, you know, uh, disagree in the replies. But so he is viewed every time somebody says like, oh, you didn't have the guys that smashed. Or, you know, you did it. Everybody always says, oh, you didn't have Jamar Chase. He was a smash. And it's like, yeah, he was good. He out he outperformed his ADP, whatever the fuck that means. But he didn't like, it wasn't Cooper Cup. It wasn't JT. Right. It wasn't even Debo. He wasn't even Debo. You know what I mean? He wasn't Mark Andrews. He wasn't Leonard Fournette. Len you want to talk about beating your ADP. Leonard Fournette <laughs> yeah. beat the shit out of his ADP. <laughs> Jamar Chase was good. He was a, he was a very, very good pick. But the reason why we perceive him as like the, oh my God, he was the best pick ever was one game. Week 17, he won everybody lots of money. You had to have him to win. And so that that was that. But advance rate wasn't that good. And then I don't have this one up. But in the finals, in Best Ball Mania 2 finals, he was 18%. So out of whatever, 170 teams or whatever it was, he was 18%. So he was like, just a touch higher than average, ba you know, ba right. like nothing, nothing super special. And so you have this player who we look back on differently than how it actually played out using the metrics that we use. You know, we, I use we loosely, but the, the market looks at him like, oh yeah, I can just look back on wide receiver rankings at the end of the year points per game and be like, yep, that's the guy. Or I can look back on advance rates and be like, oh, that was the guy. When the reason is everything that you, that we've outlined here with upside. Why Jamar Chase was a rookie who got better and just completely crushed in the week that we needed him crush. And that's the kind of archetype that I want to have on my team's point blank period. It had Absolutely. nothing to do. It had nothing to do with Brandon. Like Brandon cooks could have been on there. His advance rate is probably better. Fantastic. Yeah. But he didn't <laughs> have 50 points is not in his range. It's not in his range of outcomes. And so thinking that I'm trying to figure out how to think all, all of that through. 
um, <laughs> Rob, co- uh, Spike Week coworker. I'm not shitting on Chase. I love jo- I love Jamar Chase. He's Jamar Chase is like his highest son. One of his big one of his big stands is uh, Jamar Chase. I promise you, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slander Jamar Chase. All right, guys, we we're, now we're gonna get into the puppy three. So if you've been waiting to hop in with us, we're going in. We're going in right now. Do it. So only two. Good. Hopefully you guys didn't. See, we've been teetering on the edge of hopping in, so the people were like pr- probably waiting and waiting and waiting. So th- this twenty-seven minute portion was the agreement portion, and then once yeah. we're on the clock, yes. then we'll start the disagreement. Oh portion fuck! Our- and we oh, and no, we we, we, we we picked we picked tenth, so we're definitely oh. probably going to get into like this is That's these are the good. these are the picks. A they suck, and B that I struggle with the most. So maybe we I won't disagree because I won't be that guy. adamant. I won't be that adamant about uh, this range because I don't really like anybody. <laughs> I don't like any. That sucks. I'll, every like, I've gotten to the point now where like I'm, I've like done so many drafts that when I get like a one ten to one twelve, I get so angry that I just enter another draft and double table <laughs> it because I'm like I don't want to. I don't want to like commit forty five minutes of mental energy to being like oh. <laughs> Here's a new Devonte Adams CD Lamb team. Like, what yeah, are you do I know. Three, like, I just can't do it. I know it's painful, and <clears throat> I I also can convince myself to do shit that's probably not what I should be spending. And it's oh, five I did bucks, an but like one at the one twelve yesterday in the Uber home from the airport that was not advisable. <laughs> but I I did like I started Swift Barkley at the one twelve because everyone that I like would have wanted that plays not running back was gone. Yep. Um, and then it came back to three, four and like everyone that I like was gone. Like Pitts was gone. Um, AJ Brown was gone, Pittman, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm taking Josh Allen and Gabe Davis. At the oh, turn. that's fun. And then at the six, one Mahomes is sitting there and I was like, well, no one's going to have a Josh Allen Mahomes team. Let's just, let's just do this. And then we'll, we'll see. Uh, because like, I've been doing a lot of these two top 10 quarterback teams. Yep. I have mm-hmm. not done any that extreme. Like I'm not advising people draft Josh Allen Mahomes teams, but uh, I was like, let's see how much I hate this. It turned out a lot. I won't do it again, but, um, <laughs> but I do like the idea of drafting two early quarterbacks, which I can, I can touch on later. Uh, but yeah. We, we, yeah, cause I agree with you and it's not something that I necessarily, it's actually absolutely not something that I was really into last year, but that's another thing where it's like the nuances of how the drafts fall together. You get into that seven, eight range or whatever. It's like Russ and Russ and Lance are there. And it's like, I don't Hunter Renfro. Like, I, I, you know, I don't really like any of these guys. So, all right, here we go. That would have been nice if they gave us Devante. Um, I'm seeing a lot of green. (laughs) There's a lot of green. There's only Uh, one receiver. (laughs) Like Cook is probably the running back I hate least, but I'm in this room. I think Lamb feels like what we got to do. It, it yeah, it, it, the people are saying that everybody got into the overflow, but this doesn't feel like the overflow. If all the receivers, <laughs> all the receivers and Kelsey like went in the first nine picks, um, <laughs> That's, this, we're this is at all this green is, here by pick eleven. Yeah, every, everybody keeps bringing up Derrick Henry because we had a long discussion about Derrick Henry in the Discord today. It was actually a really, a really good discussion, but um, uh, the people are trolling. Yeah, Kevin, Henry, the Henry Avalanche came back at two three for the Lamb Henry Week Seventeen. I actually, would have I I have forced myself to do that once or twice solely because I want to have it. Okay, here we go. <sighs> Saquon goes. On. See, I don't like Najee. I don't like Mixon. I don't really like no, Jones. I, I don't hate Jones, but not at this pace. I, I have zero Najee. Um, I, I'm fine with Debo, and I'm fine with Mark Andrews. 
Okay. Let's do let's do Debo. Um if Debo had gone, I would be somewhat interested in Mark Andrews, but I'm taking a fairly hard stand against Mark Andrews. I'm not totally intentionally, but just, just it, it comes it's it, it comes down to it's he's a he's an innocent bystander of the other tight ends. Really, is just he goes in this he goes in this spot, and I'm like, well, I know I'm I'm like planning for Pitts. Pitts is my guy. That's that's like right. the tight end but he's I, I not wanted. Maybe get there to pick thirty four in this room. So right, that's and why so I would you're have been okay with it. Yeah, and so I take a decent amount of Kelsey, and I take a lot of Pitts. I I draft a lot of 49ers, so I I'm thinking about Kittle, right? Um, I I draft quite a bit of Eagles. I'm thinking I I really like Dallas Goddard later, and then I'm also I also have this macro take of of late round tight end as a little bit more of a feasible strategy now than maybe it has been perceived to be. Um, and so like firing generally three, but like all the, the Noah fans, the Gerald Everett's, the Hunter Henry's, the David and Joku's, the, even some of the guys, what I really like to do, people talk about uniqueness, uh, the late round tight ends that don't get drafted. Yeah, they can be your third or whatever. So I take Daniel Bellinger or yeah, Trey. I was Mc... gonna say that's my guy. I take Bellinger. I have yes, seven percent like Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, I, we, we, we're the only reason point. he hasn't. Yeah, he has an ADP because yeah. we fucking take him. You know, we both have like yeah. at you know at the field or what or more, you know definitely more than the field, but at the field of a normal player yeah. of Daniel Bellinger. But we're talking about like uniqueness and all that kind of stuff, and then like so it's a rookie. In a situation where he's he's the starter, Daniel Bellinger, Daniel, yeah, Daniel Bellinger is already the starter. Jones is not even going to make the team, I don't think. Like, exactly. Don't, yeah. And no one's taking him at the position where there's so much inherent value in a having the cheap guy that 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 does well, right? Give me make him be Dawson Knox or Jordan Reed or Logan Thomas or whatever. There's so much value in that that you don't have to fade that much come those playoff weeks. It's like if Daniel Bellinger for your 18th round pick catches two touchdowns in you know week 17, who gives a shit about really what you know? You just need to avoid the 35 spot from Travis Kelsey and Kyle Pitts or whatever. So um, I've been thinking through that that stuff too. So Andrews is like a just in, like I said, an innocent bystander of all these other things I'm trying to put into play. So that's interesting. So I agree. Um, man, we're getting up close. Um, r- quick version. I agree with your like micro take on the like I want pits, so it makes me less likely to take other tight ends. Yeah, but I disagree with the macro take. So I'm at now 68 percent of my lineups have one of the top five tight ends. Um, okay. That's like my macro stance. It's like I'm just taking one or two of them. Actually, I take like mm-hmm. a decent amount clip of bully tight end. Um, Based on like a mix of micro and macro, like at the micro level, I think that Kyle Pitts and George Kittle are both egregiously underpriced. Um, and so I just want to draft. All right, let's, Um, let's, let's pop a pick real quick and then we can continue with that. Um, I mean, I'm, um, I'm very interested on your take here because this range is wide open for me. Fuck. I mean, I don't, I guess Sutton, I don't even draft that much Sutton. Uh, me either. Who do we freaking take? Lamb and Debo? So there's, yeah, we have, yes. For that purpose. There's no Titans or, or Raiders here. No. Um, I'm fine with Sutton here. And then okay. I'm probably because we are going to so come I, back I, around, obviously, and uh, get our pick of another one of these guys in this tier. Yeah, um, this is like this is why I don't like the one two turn because I don't like and like there's no one I feel that passionately about at the three four turn. I have like 17 mm-hmm. percent Marquise Brown entirely by accident. 
Um, <laughs> I have a lot. I also have like, a lot. I like him, but I don't like love him, but I just, I just keep drafting him because there's something yep. else that I want. Um, okay, this is interesting. Um, so, no? uh, I don't like, actually, I feel bad saying this. I don't actually hate James Conner. Um, I actually kind of like James Conner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm also fine with Brees. And and I'd be fine with Marquise. Those would be my three. I I, I, I can I, I can get behind behind James Conner. I think the the issue with James Conner was a little bit that um, he got so he was underpriced, and in my opinion, he was going more here yeah. where where we opened. We 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 went up kind of upwards to the two three turn there for a little bit, and then the market kind of realized again like this is kind of an old dude who's hurt every year and, you know, is probably not going to play. The idea of James Conner is what everybody remembers from when Chase Edmonds was out. And so they say hundred percent snap player, all the goal line touches, all the third downs, all of this. And like in reality, that's probably not actually what's going to happen. Right. They brought in Daryl. I'm not saying Daryl's going to like set the world on fire. They they are, are hyping up, Eno a little bit. I think they're smart enough to know they paid this dude. They can't afford if they want to win games. Um, and they think he's a piece of that to, to run him out there. hundred percent of snaps. Cause he's fucking going to get hurt. Cause that's, he always gets hurt when he plays hundred percent yeah. of snaps. And so I think that they're smart enough to know that. And so in turn, that makes him a little less, you know, I don't want to take him at the two, three turn, but that doesn't take away from what we talked about at the top. He showed us the ceiling. The ceiling is one of the most valuable backs in all of, in all of fantasy in the right conditions. And all you got to do is have a good, a good enough year. And then we get to the playoffs, we get to week 17 and it, we're playing the Falcons and it's wheels up, buddy. Give me hundred percent right. snaps, James Conner. Maybe they're fighting for the playoffs or something like that. And he's yeah. a total smash. I mean, here's my, here's my bull case for Conner. Uh, I mean, it's not that dissimilar to yours, but like, so Eno Benjamin last year, if they trusted Eno Benjamin at all, like they could have just slid him directly into the Edmonds role. They chose not to, right? He was on their roster. He was a second year player. They chose not to. So I buy to some extent that if they like Eno more based on like what he's shown this preseason or whatever, that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they'll use him, but I don't think that they're going to use him in a high value touch role. I feel like in the world that it's like, Eno Agreed. cutting in, it's like, they'll give Eno some run between the twenties on early downs, but they're going to use Connor in the high leverage situations. So that's fine with me. I really don't care if he loses empty calorie touches. To Eno oh, hundred percent. And then it's like, Am I gonna like? Am I gonna let Daryl Williams like stop me from anything? Like this guy is, is not good. Like I understand that he like scored a lot of points for the Chiefs last year, right? The tenet of like zero RB is that we get to score points with crappy backs like Daryl Williams. Like it's not like <laughs> Daryl Williams is good. Like supposedly he's he's not even a lock or maybe not even a favorite to beat out you know Benjamin for the number two role. So it's like, is there a world in which he is playing on pass downs? Sure, but like I don't think that Daryl Williams is chase Edmonds like he's not a dynamic pass catcher I, I call Daryl Williams the Hippocratic Oath as in like in the Hippocratic Oath you do no harm like he's the Hippocratic Oath he just does no harm he, he just he goes up there he like pass blocks a little bit he can like leak out catch catch a dump off I know he mossed one dude on Sunday Night Football that's gonna be the only time he ever does that in his life yeah um, like he runs a four seven two like I, I just can't like it's like what is functionally the difference between Daryl Williams and like Samaj P Ryan it's like nothing and so then so then what's the worst case scenario? Daryl Williams plays the long down and distance snaps. And then, then James Conner just is Joe Mixon. Right. So to me, it's like yeah. the worst case mm-hmm. scenario is that James Conner is the guy that we're not, not we, but that like the market is drafting at the one, two turn. Um, like, I know it's not the worst case scenario, but from like a usage perspective, that's kind right. of the worst case scenario. So I think he's just, 
he's just a guy who I think is underpriced and actually has a lot of value. Like Arizona churns out high value touches for running backs. He's mm-hmm. the most likely to get them. Um, five ten, and we have uh, no one that I want once again. Yeah, this sucks. I really wish we, we had an early pick. This is, this, I guess this, this I mean, Metcalf is like the guy that I I definitely dislike least here. Yeah, just I'm, like I'm betting f- on raw talent, even though. I don't like this. I'm fine with Metcalf. We're almost to your conversation that we're probably going to have to have on another player here, but I won't bring him up just yet. Um, I really wish we could have had that conversation two weeks ago I, at the late seventh. I, yeah, yeah, I know, right? He's getting he's getting a little bit pricey. That's another the thing record, I talked to. I have to. not drafted him at his new price yeah. But I don't this have is, to. I have like 20% at his whole price, so I'm, I'm yeah, calling it here. Exactly, exactly. This is this is so great, by the way. Uh, it's uh, probably all the wide receiver bros got into the, the draft after this one <laughs> After this one I think filled, the and... wants us to trap Brandon Cooks in the six. I think that's what they're trying to do. Definitely, they... it's not twenty I minutes trashing him. Okay, so do so we, we do we one. do we have to take Michael Thomas or what? Are, do, do Kyler uh, I mean, hurt? What Kyler with Connor? Actually, yeah, um, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm. I'm Unless you are, you, are you out on MT at this price? And then we can talk about him after this. But uh, let's take Kyler. But I'm okay. fine to talk about MT anyway. I so, love, I mean, I love every single time I take Kyler. Kyler is one of the guys that I uh, just like, honestly, don't really care how much I get of. It's, it's not, it's, it's like not possible to get so overweight that I care. You know, I'm never going to get yeah. 35 or 40%, at least on underdog. Good Lord. Sorry. So, I have some text, he's my text second coming most in owned, there. Uh, quarterback Kyler behind. And so, Lance, of course. Um, and so, I, 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 yeah. Care. I don't get, I don't get why Kyler keeps falling down here at all. So um, I'm happy to keep scooping him. And if my, if I'm overexposed to what some people would think you should do on one player, I'm not going to pass on Kyler Murray in the sixties. Like it's just not, it's just not going to happen. So let's talk about MT. Let's talk about MT. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so the MT thing, like this new price kind of sucks. I mean, part of my theory of drafting MT was what's happening now, which is like, if I'm right and he reports to camp, well, not if I'm not if I'm right. I have like literally no medical basis. I mean, if I'm right <laughs> in the sense of like if what happens benefits my stance is like what I mean by if I'm right. Yep. Right. Same mm-hmm. way if you're right by Zeke getting injured. It's not like I'm predicting it. It's just yeah, if I'm exactly. right, right? So it's like if what happens happened, which is like he shows up to camp and he gets like buzz because that's what beat reporters do is they write glowing things about players who are there in front of them. Um then he's going to move up in ADP, right? And that's what happened. So that was a big part of it. But like, I wouldn't have done it just for a CLV play. Like, I also have to actually functionally believe in the player. And, and I do with Thomas. Like, I think that this now is a pretty efficient price. Like, we have never seen him on a football field and not have, like, wide receiver one usage. Like, every healthy season that he had from his career, from his rookie season up through to 2019, he was a wide receiver one. And then in 2020, like, he then plays. He doesn't score a lot of points. But his peripheral stats were still fantastic. He was the usage in the was NFL yep. in air yard share. He was running a ton of targets. He scored zero touchdowns, and he was playing with a quarterback who is currently a backup tight end. So, like, I'm not really <laughs> going to fault him entirely for not scoring a lot of fantasy points. So, to me, like the idea that he that the last time he played, he was not good is false. Like, he was good. It's just, can he still be good? And I don't know, but. To me, it's like that seems like a pretty n- nice discount. It's like we're taking Christian McCaffrey at the 101 under the basis that, like, we're hoping that the injuries didn't affect him, and that then he's going to still be the same. The only difference is that the is that we saw him on a football field more recently. To me, like, but it's the same mm-hmm. idea. It's like we've never seen this guy on, play on a football field not be awesome, and then okay, he has more target competition, but like, 
I don't know. Are we not drafting Devontae Adams? Like, are we not drafting AJ Brown? Like, are we not drafting Tyreek Hill? It's like when you're an elite wide receiver, you command targets regardless of those around you. Maybe Thomas isn't anymore. That's entirely possible. But like, yeah. if he is, then he will command targets. I'm not that afraid of Chris Olave. I'm certainly not that afraid of Jarvis Landry. So like, I, I think that he has a legitimately high ceiling um, in an offense that like, I don't know that any of the stuff about how slow and run heavy they were even applies anymore. Like they have a new yeah, coach, they fair. have a new play caller. They have three new starting wide receivers. They have a quarterback who's now in a new year in the system. Like I, maybe it still all applies, but maybe it doesn't. And I, I, I just, I end up being pretty in on MT. Um, fuck. Can I look at the draft board once I want to draft someone like, Oh my <laughs> God. So see, this is where we run into, like, I would be totally happy taking Russ with Kyler here. Um, I do yeah. actually like, do actually like Pollard. Yeah. Let's do um, Pollard. I don't, let's do Pollard and see, yeah, see how this yeah, plays yeah. out after us. Um, we have, um, we have CD on this team too, which exactly that I really like is the idea of like, not even necessarily if you have the quarterback, but like, I love the idea of drafting the backup running back with the wide receiver playing it. Like the starting running back gets hurt. They would need to pass more. Um, and then uh, I, I want, I have another like take about this, Connor Kyler stack that might also apply soon. I just want to let this next couple let things us, go. But, um, I was going to say the I I love the uh, backup running back. You know they have to be a specific archetype too, right? The backup running back can't be Hassan Haskins, but the right. backup running back with the receivers or say the tight end or whatever. I, this this is literally what led me to Darrington Evans last year and why I was, you know, 40 plus percent of Darrington Evans or whatever, because it was just like, if this happens, this one condition, Derrick Henry gets hurt. The dude getting a million carries, like it's going to set me up across all kinds of different things. What do you, what do you, uh, receiver options at present? Not very good. Renfro, Renfro, Um, Olave. It's it's everyone. I don't draft. Okay. Um, So pan off of that. I'm fine. Jacob Sanders, Penny, I'm no, uh, I'm fine with Russ here. I'm also fine with Dak because it's like more correlated. I like Russ a lot more than Dak, but I'm fine let's, with Dak since it's a CD let's take Dak and though. Yeah. Team. yeah, I I prefer I prefer Russ as well, but I think we would be a little stubborn to take to yeah. take Russ. Um, it's unfortunate because Russ fell, but it, it's it's not even eight picks after ADP. I, like that's that's yeah. what that's the one thing where people are like, oh, but he's a value here. It's like it's eight picks. If he was like two round you know if we if we took Derek Carr over Russ you're like you're right. a fucking moron but like Dak versus Russ is really not the that Tim big of a Patrick difference injury I think makes late Russ worse because like late Russ used to have three outs after yeah him. that's if you took really Russ, good like post Sutton and Judy then you used to have an out at Patrick at Hamler and at Albert O or, or Dulcich um whereas now it's like okay I can't take Patrick so I feel like I'm really locked into like Hamler and Albert O um, Paul's comment had me rolling where we, we actually did jump the shark. We did it. Leone would be mad. We did jump the shark. Josh Jacobs was available in the eighth. We did not take him. We did take Tony Pollard before Josh Jacobs. So we did jump the shark. We are the asshole. Yeah. In the room. So funny. Yeah. You guys are making me out to be the asshole, man. That was I, so good. I, like, I pressed rewind in the airport and I listened to that five times and I was tackling at the airport bar, like a lunatic, just listening to Leone make me the asshole in the room. It was so good. 
That was so good. For um, anyone that doesn't, anyone that's watching that doesn't know, that was on Ship Chasing on 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 Wednesday night. Myself and Mike Leone Jones, the Ship Chasing guys, and uh, Leone made us take made us take Josh Jacobs in, of course, a wide receiver heavy room. He's like you know twenty picks. He's like twenty picks after ADP. And uh, Mike had a good had a good quote from that. So go watch um, that. I did want to talk about this Kyler Connor thing. So I, I yeah, have, yeah, yeah. I, this is another macro stance. I spend like so much time thinking about these like tiny little edges that might not even be edges and like rarely ever manifest, but that's just how my mind goes during the summer. Same. <laughs> I love the idea of drafting a mobile quarterback with their running back in two expensive quarterback builds for this reason, like Connor and Kyler in a sense are almost negatively correlated in that. Like they can be positively correlated in some senses, but their actual ceiling, like both depends on rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And so I really like the idea of like, okay, in a massive game from Connor where he rushes for three touchdowns, Kyler is failing. And then I get a really low owned Kyler the next week. And so I like doing that, but I specifically want to do that. If I have another quarterback with a ceiling that can then get me through the week with Connor. So like, to me, I love the idea of drafting Kyler with Connor, but then I want Russ or Dak or Hertz or somebody else on that same team. So like I've done some where it's like Hertz Sanders or Hertz Gainwell and then Kyler Connor. And like, in this case, we have Dak Pollard, Kyler Connor. Um, huh. And it's like this, this kind of build that I'm trying to like figure out of like, okay, how can I get these, how can I sort of play for a scenario where one of my quarterbacks fails at the direct expense of someone I have, and then I can get them low owned, but I can cover that by having another ceiling at the other quarterback slot. I love that because people like people struggle with the scenario based stuff because it's like, it's so binary right but if you right. if you if you do it over the course of a large portion of your teams or or, or, or uh, we can come back to it uh we're in another portion uh, where i don't really like i don't sure. really like the hilarious thing is like we could we could draft the correlated tight end to our quarterback and i don't even want to i i, <laughs> I might veto Ertz. i can't do i, I can't i don't even I, want to do it uh, i can't I'm, do i'm actually i'm actually like pretty weirdly kind of into tyler boyd um i like boyd uh, I'm also I don't like Woods, but he is a nice bring back for the Dallas stack. And then, oh, that's true. We'll see. Let's see if he'll uh, come back to us. Yeah. Let's see if Woods. Uh, I'm uh, just in case. I like Boyd because, like, as boring as he is, like, I actually think he's good at football. And then he has a lot of contingent upside. Um, if if one of Higgins or or Chase fails, so I, I think that Boyd's actually like a pretty interesting pick, despite being seemingly boring. Um, yeah, Woods Boyd Woods. Like, why don't we just put the put the condoms on for this turn? I know, right? Uh, Good lord! A collective eight out of seven point one. Grandpa, a grandpa off an ACL, and a, a guy who has Jamar Chase and T Higgins in front of him. But actually, I'll be honest with you, I kind of, I kind of like it. So uh, do, wait, you want? Sorry, do you prefer Woods, or would you prefer to do Singletary with Boyd? Ooh, actually, probably Singletary. I think Singletary because it. we're going with a late round tight end team. We could even, we could Hooper. even fucking Hooper if we really want to. Yep, yep, yep. I okay. like that. I, I I much prefer that. It doesn't make my stomach turn drafting Robert Woods. That might have been the first Robert Woods team I would have drafted too. <laughs> Don't draft a lot of Bob Woods. On the team we started this, we started the stream talking about upside and all this, <laughs> and then we drafted draft Robert Woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we almost we couldn't really see the forest through the poppy trees on that. Yeah, one. <laughs> much prefer the single theory. Um, Boyd is a really good example though of the contingent value thing and like the the varying 
um, ranges that different players have in terms of contingent value. I mean, look, compare him to Robert Woods. Traylon Burks gets hurt. It's like, yeah, that's a bump to Robert Woods, but like, mm. I know. Uh, yeah, there's only so many more targets Robert Woods is going to get in any offense, particularly in the Tennessee offense. But Tyler Boyd, one thing happens to Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. And that is it is a significant, like a very significant boost. And so they're they're actually kind of a a, a funny. And then you see Jalen Tolbert go after who who I do like Jalen Tolbert. This price is getting wild I, on on, on Jalen Tolbert. And it's the same thing where like I mean I guess if CD if CD yeah I guess it <laughs> I guess if CD gets hurt he has outs to like being better than this. But it, but we we're we're pushing him up to the like actually like superstar rookie wide receiver prices he with, might with not be any good at all. Right. Like yeah. that's a pretty, I mean, he was like a, a, a super senior small school third round pick who was not productive until he was like 21 years old. Like I, I think he's that, fucking 23 years old. <laughs> like we're treating Jalen Tolbert again, the Royal we like we're treating Jalen Tolbert as if he's like this really promising rookie who is like now getting an opportunity. It's like, I actually like, Maybe he's good. Like, he's good in the sense that he's a rookie. I don't know. Is he a better prospect than Alec Pierce? Like, maybe. More productive, but it came older. It came at a worse program. Like, I I, I don't think Jalen – like, I'm not super sure Jalen Tolbert's ADP being ahead of Jahan Dotson makes a whole lot of sense, even though I understand that, that the far ahead? are bad. But. Yeah, but still, that far ahead, like, we're just gifting him. It's, it's, it's one of those weird situations where usually it is the old guy – who we project volume onto and boost and boost them up yeah. and say, that okay, but, his foot now, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's the, the rookie who we've just been like, yeah, like we, people generally liked him, like, you know, general, uh, in, again, the collective, we were fine with Jalen Tolbert as a prospect, but like, not this fine, like not, like not this fine. It's, it's strictly a projectable volume thing. Um, with him, right, we're back up here. Ooh, and this this uh, one's not. I don't want to say super super oh, easy. You can you see? Um, yeah. gross. Well, we could take Gallup, but I kind of want more of a discount. Um, yuck. I was gonna say Hen- no. Hender- Hender- oh, I was gonna say-, say I was gonna say Henderson here. Oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm always good to default to Henderson. Because tight ends in this weird range. How, how do you feel about this? So, like, when you start to go with a late round tight end like this, yeah. and you get into this awkward range of Fryermuth and Gasicki and Henry, like I see cases for those guys, but I always end up pushing it a little bit further. Are you dipping into this tier or what? Um, I take some Fryermuth because I think like he's a rookie who produced, thus he might just be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I take some Albert O. Like Albert Owen and Joku are guys that I, I like because. I mean, I mentioned this like macro stance that I have on tight end, right? Um, okay, we should probably just. Um, Oof, I hate this tier too. <laughs> can't take on a running back. Fuck. Okay. Um, are there any wide receivers that I like? No. Oh, doubtful. Watson, um, Myers, Landry. Oh my god. We um, can do Alberto. I mean, it's a little early, but he probably won't come back to us. I'm fine with Alberto. I'd be fine with Gallup, honestly, too. Let's do let's do Alberto. I like to get uh, um, sp- also curious about your take on this. We talked about like upside and everything, but the Broncos are one of the teams where like if I get into that spot like we were just in, and I really just like don't really love anybody, 
and I can default to it's really the Broncos and the Chiefs mostly. And I can default to one of those guys and I don't have someone from that team already. And uh actually did we take Sutton? So we might already have somebody. No, we didn't. No, yeah, we did yeah, take we Sutton. Did. So yeah. that was a uh, oh, fuck. Um, already why didn't we fucking take Ross? I forgot we had Sutton. Yeah, I'm we, <laughs> literally we fucked this whole thing up. But uh, so it, even literally what I'm saying right now doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't matter. But even in this case, I think it's fine without Russ defaulting yeah. to those teams where like I only see upside in every single. Obviously, it's binary. Generally speaking, like it, it can't be Sutton and Judy and and Alberto and Javante. But when I don't have those other guys planning around that scenario in which like, OK, maybe maybe the running backs do fail and, and it's not Judy and maybe Hamler's a little slow to come up to come along. So like we got Sutton and Alberto. You know, I, I like to default to those a couple of teams, really, where the scenarios, the scenarios just breed the upside. It's not like the players help. Of course, I like Alberto. I like Sutton, et cetera. But like the scenario is just a gold mine for upside. Yeah, I I, I really agree with that for sure. I mean, I take a ton of Broncos. I take a ton of and, – and I think in this type of build, like the reason why I love taking the early tight end so much is just – like I've seen a lot of like Hayden's data, for instance, on like tight end, like value of replacement and stuff. And I, I buy that from like a season long perspective that, you know, the early round tight ends might be overpriced, but it's again, what we were talking about off the top of the show, like what game are we playing? Right. What's the win condition. And to me, it's like, okay, sure. You know, you can string that along with playing, you know, ham and egging it with these later round tight ends from a season long perspective. Okay. But in a weekly perspective, it's like we have three one week tournaments. It's like, I feel, I feel a little bare when if like I'm walking into an Andrews Kelsey fight with a Higby, right. It's like, am I <laughs> yeah. gonna like, if it's cause if, if Andrews plays on like Thursday night and it's like, I, and I'm looking at my, and he is 30 and I look at my bench and I'm like, what do I got? And it's like, I got Higby and I got Evan Ingram and I got like Austin Hooper. It's like, well, I lost, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's not going to happen for me. Like yep, I remember, close the laptop. Yep. I remember last year it was like Kelsey put up like 30 something that one week on Thursday night football. Hunter Henry did his darndest. He got like 22 on Saturday night with two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And he still like was not drawing, you know, super live versus Kelsey teams. And it's like, then Andrews just went absolutely nuclear and he yep. even beat Kelsey score. And I remember like when that Thursday night happened, I was like, let's check all my teams who has Kelsey. And then of the teams that don't have Kelsey, who has Kittle and who has Andrews? Because if I don't have Kelsey, I need to beat Kelsey. So it's like, where, where's my, where's my arsenal coming from? And, you know, you're more likely to get those spikes out of later round wide receivers and later round tight ends, mostly because they either don't run enough routes or they aren't athletic enough to get the type of downfield targets that you need to offset volume. And so if I'm taking later round tight ends, like I really want the guys who can actually have an dot. like I, I don't want to take like fucking Zach Ertz, right? I'm just paying a premium <laughs> for a bunch of low volume, shitty targets. Like I'll take Goddard whose projection sucks, but he gets targeted down the field. I'll take yep. Alberto. I'll take Njoku and Joku gets targeted down the field. Like Bellinger yep. is athletic. He might get targeted down the field. Right. So anyway, that's, um, I, I, well, I, I like, I, well. I, I love, I love Gainwell. This is a good price on Gainwell too. So, um, yeah. let's just, let's take him and then we can talk about some of these other guys. Um, we're, st- we're we we have an anchor Connor, so we're we're at five. I I still tend to take these to you know, I, I'm not afraid to take it to six to six running backs, but we definitely, need, we definitely need we definitely need wide receivers and tight ends. Um, I'm a little scared off from Jamison at this cost. You know, this is after ADP, but um, as much as I love the player, I'm a little worried about him. I don't mind Chark. I do like Pickens. Yeah, I like um, 
the tight ends here. I, I, I feel like I've, I've like won a war that I didn't want to win watching Romeo Dubs cut 14. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, didn't even see that. Good Lord. 1401. Um, Pickens. What are you down for Pickens yeah, here? I'd yeah, love to do George Pickens. Pickens. Yeah. I mean, much better prospect than Jalen Tolbert. I understand yeah. catching passes from Trubisky and, and all that stuff, or or Pickett or Mason Rudolph or some guy. Maybe maybe the hot dog salesman in the stands, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is he's he's going behind gotten, Romeo Dobbs, by the way. Now That's, I that is fucking insane. George, sorry, Pickens Romeo is going, Dobbs. I'm sorry. I I will never yeah, get it right ever ever be able to change like i've been so i'm like a i'm a debbie guy too so like i've had romeo dobbs slash dubs on my campus to canton team for like years right so i've been like following this guy like throughout his college journey at nevada in which the <laughs> announcers called him dubs like i was the loser watching in the fantasy semifinals while he's putting up 20 for and 204 against air force and i'm like watching his, <laughs> this game go to triple overtime i'm like fist pumping romeo dubs it's not going to happen. I'm never going to be able to say Dobbs. It is fixed in my memory. Well, because he didn't even – the story is kind of funny because he is like a quiet kid. He wouldn't right. even correct the people who were saying yeah. his name wrong. He let it out there that it was – you know, he just let everybody yeah. everybody run with this. This is a good question from from Jason. We have yeah. Alberto, and we have a late, a late round tight end kind of approach. Would you ever do an Alberto and Dolchich uh, pairing in a three-quarterback team like this? A three-tight uh, end team. Sorry. I don't – I don't think so because I just feel like I can make the exact same bet that I'm making with Dulcich with McBride and like McBride doesn't have a negative impact to Dulcich's or to Alberto's ceiling. So I, I would, I, I just, I don't know. I probably wouldn't like, I would rather just in any of these situations, like I'd rather just take a lot of Dulcich and a lot of Alberto and, and kind of let it go. Like to me, I'm, I'm not against taking two teammates. Like I'll do something like I'll take like CEH and, Jarek McKinnon and like play it in the scenario where Rojo gets caught. And now I'm getting like a, a, mm-hmm. a good value on two running backs in this offense, um, you know, that are probably going to move up in price and probably going to outperform what their current projection is of Rojo on the roster. But like, I want to bet against someone if I'm doing something like that. Um, like I would take, I, I would, I'm fine seeing like Mostert and Sony, if you want to bet against Edmonds or like, I'm, I'm really into taking like Hunt and Dearness and like betting on a trade. Um, that worked out so well with all of my Javante and Melvin teams betting on Melvin <laughs> to sign to be the feature back of the Buffalo Bills from the big board. Those are all in great shape. But um, yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I, I totally agree. When same thing, I, I think you can do some of those scenario type type situations, but it's all about a bet against something and uh alberto dolchich pairing is like hoping that they run more two tight end sets without tim patrick and like i guess technically that's like a bet against kj handler's health or something like that but that's not a real true like bet against something you know there there's no actual contingency there's no there's no uh, outcome where you're winning because you were right about that bet it's just kind of like you know a a little fluky way the offense operates yeah i I tend to agree with that um yeah this is like i I honestly i shed such a tear for my big board teams because like the one thing if there's anything i've gotten right this offseason i mean maybe i won't because maybe we'll all suck but from at least like a closing line (laughs) value perspective i got right was just like 
I was like, well, the one edge that I have on all these best ball bros is that like I play way more Devi than these bums. So I'm going to yeah. draft like all these rookie <clears throat> wide receivers in the big, board. right? So I have like the most like ridiculous, like sky and Wandale and Christian Watson and Pickens and like all these prices. And then like all of those teams have fucking Tim Patrick. <laughs> I was <laughs> devastated. Um, can we do oh, Noah Fant? 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 This is a, this yeah. is a smash for Fant. That was I was sitting here like, are they really gonna let Fant? For like we 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 just punted tight end and they gave us Alberto and and Noah Fant. That yeah, feels two guys I want anyway. Yeah, that feels that Back feels pretty together, good. Together once again on the same depth chart. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that is true. So I, we're we're a pretty flexible here. Um, I don't think we need to force a tight end unless you like one of these guys. Hooper is there for that the 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 Dallas bring back, yeah, which you know it is what it this is. This might be gross, but like I actually like Evan Ingram. Oh God. Okay. We I I need the tight end takes then amongst amongst these guys. Um, so is it I just like, I like talent opportunity? Evan Ingram what? is my second most drafted tight end. Oh um, fucking hell. I like really like Evan Ingram. I would okay. Smash I can do right it here. I can do it. Well, I you wanted us to disagree somewhere. Here here's where it is. Uh, Evan Ingram, like we're talking about tight ends who are like, there's two ways to get upside at tight end, right? It's like you either earn volume or you, or you get targets down the field. I mean, Evan Ingram used to get targets down the field. It doesn't seem like yeah. he does anymore, but yeah. Jason Garrett's an idiot. So like, maybe that's why, um, <laughs> I don't know. He is athletic. So theoretically he can get targets down the field. He has once upon a time. And then at the very least, he commands a lot of targets. Like it was only two years ago. He had a 23% target share. Um, like what if, what if that at least comes back, even if he doesn't have the athleticism, well then he's, then he's Zach Ertz and Dalton Schultz, but like in round 16. So it's like, that's trying to me. Right. Like I, I like Ingram more than like, I don't know, like Tyler Higby feels nice in, in terms of, I like that he's in a nice offense, but like, what's his volume drawing upside, like 15% and he doesn't get any targets down the field. So it's like, what's, yeah. what's the point of him? Um, like Ingram to me has like some level of like latent, a dot upside that hasn't manifested in a while, but at the very least he has volume upside. Um, and I mean, he has like the athleticism, he has the college profile. He has like the pedigree he has produced once upon a time. He, uh, he's in like an offense that I think theoretically has upside at least. So I, I like to, I, I, it makes me like Evan Ingram less when I hear like people hype him up based on what a coach once upon a time did with other tight ends. Um, it, it makes me like want to draft him less because it just angers me to hear coaching <laughs> correlation narratives about tight ends. But hey, he didn't play in the Hall of Fame game. Dan Arnold did. That's that's all the confirmation bias that I needed to keep drafting Evan Ingram. Listen, Josh Jacobs played in the Hall of Fame game and Evan Ingram didn't. That's about that's the true. extent. That's about all we need. That you, we probably could have just started there and been like yeah, that guy that that guy that we got shamed for passing for taking Tony Pollard over earlier. Yeah, that dumb shit played in the Hall of Fame game, <laughs> and uh, and and Evan Ingram did did not. I did think it was like at least kind of interesting, like you said on, with the Jags. It was very, very clear who their top, you know, the top four wide receivers that the their their Evan Ingram is their top tight end. Their top, obviously it's a little different with their backs because they were hurt. But, right. you know, their first team offense seems fairly straightforward, which is kind of nice. I mean, we expected yes. it. We expected it, but it's kind of nice to be like, OK, <laughs> all right. I know that I know I know those are the guys because some of these teams, you know, I mean, Jesus Christ, Tommy Tremble just went in this draft like 
I know that Tommy Tremble's getting reports and stuff, but it's like we're drafting dudes who, you know, last year we were drafting Brashad Perriman because we thought he was on the first team and he didn't even make the roster, you know? So, like, it's nice to get that, like, a little bit of reassurance on somebody right now. I, I agree with that. Um, it's like my tight end exposures right now. Like, uh, it's you know that meme of, like, everyone waiting at the door and, like, the ones in the clown costume? Like, that's my <laughs> tight end exposure. It's like Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. <laughs> and and uh, the other guy I draft a lot of is Brevin Jordan. Um, probably like because that. he used to be a Debbie darling. Um, and I'm just like forever attracted to Debbie darlings who didn't work out. But um, I, I think he could potentially run a lot of routes. Um, interestingly, yeah. Nico Collins's price has gone up a ton since the Mechie announcement, but Brevin's has not. Um, and I mean, he's live to be number two, I think. Um Okay, we need wide receivers here. Well, I, I like Bell. Um, oh yeah, you you don't have to sell me on David Bell. Love yeah, me this some will David help Bell. even out your your closing line value on David Bell. Yes, oh god, <laughs> finally gonna finally gonna get a David Bell that's not pick one fifty. Yeah, uh, we probably need one more wide receiver. What's what's our wide receiver situation? We can right now? we we, we can, we're flexible to oh. so CD CD Debo Sutton Metcalf Boyd Pickens Boyd, Bell. Pickens, Bell so. I would be fine with either running back or wide receiver here. I think are both totally well, fine. I don't have a preference though. Are there any, cause are there any wide receivers that I have any interest in drafting? I'm going to guess. No. Quez, like no. Pringle, Valus. Yeah. Let's look at running back. All right. Uh, McKinnon, uh, Evans, Chris Evans, Derek McKinnon, is Pacheco around. Yeah, he is. I'm fine with, uh, let's do a chief because we have two Broncos. So McKinnon. Let's or do but let, let's let's do let's do Pacheco because I haven't yeah. uh, I haven't drafted him much. I think you see here no no zero. I've been I have been drafting him on DraftKings. That's what I've okay. but only a, only a few times kind of since we've started to get um, this this hype. I, I do want to like since we just drafted him close on the the Chiefs backfield. How are you playing the Chiefs backfield? Because I mean we're talking all about upside like crazy in this episode. And I mean what what bet what what backfield. The, um, the dogs also think that there's upside in the Chiefs backfield. How are you handling them? I'm just, I'm just handling them. I'm just playing them. I'm, I'm drafting every. I want to draft one Chiefs running back in every single draft that I do until their 53 man roster is announced. That's, that's like the one rule I have. So I will take, I will hold my nose and take Ceh. Um, I will take. I already have enough Rojo. I'm like, I'm, I'm like sitting there at the methadone clinic, weeding myself off of Rojo at this point in time. <laughs> um, like I need, I need less Rojo, uh, not more. But then one day he fell to the pick 172, and I was like, all right, <laughs> more Rojo. It's like yep. I felt like I was like at my laptop buying ETH, like as it crashes by 200 dollars <laughs> more every day. That it's hits. Like, okay, that hits. This is that the hits new home. bottom for for Ronald. Please Jones. use it. Yeah, um, please use a different example next time. That one hurt to my core. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, McKinnon, I draft like I've just been smashing McKinnon ever since he signed with the Chiefs. I was even drafting him before he signed with the Chiefs. Um, and then Pacheco, I haven't drafted obviously for most of the offseason, but I'm working him in now. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think, and I'm drafting multiple multiple of them in some of these drafts. Like, I, I think that Rojo getting cut, like as much as it would hurt my Rojo bags, which aren't that bad. I only have like twelve percent. It'll also all withhold, but. Like it would be huge for the backfield because then you have a scenario where like Jarek McKinnon, I mean, I think right now, honestly, if I was to guess what's going to happen, which is like a total guess, uh, but it seems like the Pete reporters are just totally guessing anyway. So I can't yeah. be, um, 
is that I think they keep all four, but I don't think Rojo's active on game days is my guess. I think what okay. they're going to do is like, because Pacheco apparently is the kick returner, right? So if he's mm-hmm. the starting kick returner, he's active on game days. Um, to me, like Jarek, or Clyde Edwards-Alaire has never handled long down and distance work. It was always Daryl Williams or it was Jarek McKinnon um, or it was like Le'Veon Bell even for a little bit. I don't think if they like Clyde Edwards-Alaire in long down and distance situations, and I think, like, if you re-sign Jarek McKinnon, like, that's why you re-signed him. If you notice, it seems like 80% of the Chiefs highlights that show a Juju diving catch or a Skymore diving catch. I'm, like, <laughs> always the guy, like, looking to see who the guy in the backfield is on this passing <laughs> down situation. Like, I'll see this highlight. I'll be like, here's a highlight from the two-minute drill. I'm, like, zooming in. And it's like, oh, number one. Oh, yeah, McKinnon's in there. Um, so I think McKinnon has a defined role, whereas I don't know that Rojo has a defined role unless, like, they want to define his role by cutting – one of the other running backs for him to have that defined role. So I can't see them having four active running backs on, on game day. I don't think that's likely. They've never done that before. Like they even had McKinnon as a healthy scratch sometimes last year. Um, So that's, that's where I feel is they're going to have Pacheco kicker turner. It's going to be CEH is like the primary early down back with maybe Pacheco mixing in or McKinnon mixing in McKinnon playing the long down and distance. And then I definitely think like, if that's the scenario that plays out, and CH gets hurt, like Rojo might still have all the majority of the early down work, but like that still makes him a really crappy pick. Because yeah. Like I my like my hope with Rojo initially is like he's gonna have whatever percentage of the early down role. So he's gonna have this like standalone role. I mean, if we're drafting someone for contingent upside, like Ronald Jones can't catch a cold. So he's not like the king of the contingent upside case. McKinnon yep. honestly has better contingent upside. Like mm-hmm. he's the guy that actually can be a three down back. He averaged 17 points per game in the playoffs last year. So I, I'm drafting all of them. I, I wish I drafted less Ronald Jones earlier. I feel like I drafted him because I like Ronald Jones and I'm not sure that I like, put like all that much thought into like, how does this guy get on the field? What's his upside case? Like, I don't know. I feel like that was one where I might've fallen a little bit victim to my own bias, but how are you handling it? I, I feel, I could not feel any more the same about the Rojo thing. And like, it's not because I even like love Rojo, but I, he has a skill and I do fall victim to, to when you see guys that have a a, a certain skill and, and he is kind of what the chiefs have been missing that skill. And so you see that and you're like, holy shit, they've been playing CEH. You can't, who has been right. a terrible runner. They, they went to Daryl Williams because CEH was so bad. They just said, fuck it. We don't care about if you're good at running. Just be out here and be dependable, right? Just don't screw this up for us. We don't care if you're actually helping us win because they just didn't have anybody else. And so, and then they went to McKinnon, who in the middle of the season had dead legs or whatever the hell the report was. <laughs> you know, they just had nothing. And so then when they bring in this guy that has some juice, you're like, wow, this is it. He is going to be the early down guy and you fall in love with like, look at, look at the touchdown upside on a Patrick Mahomes team. I know he's not going to catch passes, but if he's the guy getting 12 to 15 carries and maybe goal line work, you're like, boom, this is it. And you just, I just got mesmerized by that for, for a stretch and, and he was cheap and it was just, I, I, I feel the same way. I wish I took less. I think he's, I think, I still don't think he's like, he's not, you know, dead, but I feel way worse. Make the team. And, and all of the things that we just said could still come true, right? Like they could yeah. cut Jarek McKinnon. They could say, yeah, we're going to keep four running backs, but that's fine because Pacheco's our kick returner. So we're not even going to count him as a running back. And we're just going to have four active on game day. Like all the stuff you're saying could still come true. But it's like, I feel like this little bit of news, like put some like cold water on my face where I was like, 
okay, I need to see things more clearly. And I didn't like understand the risk that Ronald Jones posed um, where I thought he was like, I was like, Oh, like at the very least I'm getting like Gus Edwards. And at the best I'm getting JK Dobbins in the 12th. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I I feel the same. And I just think it's one of those you, I misevaluated, um, which happens. It happens all the time, yeah. actually. Uh, I will look back in six months, and there'll be a lot of them, a lot of them that I miss that I misevaluated. But we can run through the draft really quick. And says interesting. Though, by the way, interesting. A, a little, a little. Okay. Um, I draft it, more than a I'm, little, which is weird. I've never drafted. I'm a holding the nose and forcing myself to take him. I know, I know he's bad, but it's one of those kind of. It's the opposite of Rojo, where I'm trying to set aside my biases and say, look, I agree. And, but the thing is, everyone agrees. It's not even like a bias. Everyone thinks he sucks, but we're still looking back at a first round pick that the, like the team hasn't substantially upgraded around him, you know? And so there's just still that path. It exists. You know, he, he could take a leap. I don't know. I don't expect it, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to force myself to uh, take some Rojo. So we yeah. picked out at of the very the- least, right? Like at the very least CH is like, the same idea as like a Jacobs or Gibson, who's like a, a lead back who's yes. losing contingency on both sides, but he gets to do it in the chiefs versus yeah. the freaking commanders. And he's, and he's cheaper. So exactly that that's, that's perfectly said. Like, wh- why is he, why does he even go after Gibson? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand. Like you said, I mean, I guess there's a little more uncertainty to the week one role. Jesus Christ. These dudes are wrestling literally right next to me wrestling. Hey, Okay, we're gonna run down this team real quick. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> go go get these guys some dinner or something so they can <laughs> stop being crazy. So we picked out of the dreaded ten spot yeah. and started CD Lamb, Debo Samuel, Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton, a typical kind of wide receiver bro start. But I do like the CD Debo thing, um, pick in tenth. Um, not a super not a super popular combination, but when you think you're kind of in a wide receiver room getting CD, who you know it, he has tough outs to surpassing these other guys, but we're just talking about like Jalen Tolbert's getting steamed up. Dalton Schultz is getting steamed up. I saw Josh Norris tout Noah Brown today. It's like when that's happening, <laughs> when that's happening, it probably just says like, dude, CD could just be the, the lead the league in targets, you know? Um, so, so I, I'm, I'm pretty into, into CD Sutton, Sutton defaulting to kind of a Bronco. We talked through James Connor anchor. James Connor in the fourth round also feels pretty good. DK Metcalf. Jacob talked about the Kyler Murray and James Connor pairing, which we also then went to the Tony Pollard and Dak Prescott pairing, which I really like uh, that I've jotted a mental note of that one of that one down came back with Tyler Boyd, Devin Singletary, Daryl Henderson, and we have late round tight end. So we, we started off the late round tight ends with Alberto came back with, Kenneth Gainwell and George Pickens, two probably two of my favorite picks there in that range. They fit this team really well. I was excited for those two. And then the room gave us Noah Fant, which I loved. And then the room also gave us Evan Ingram, which Jacob loved. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if I've come to the dark side yet, but I, <laughs> I, I can appreciate it. I can appreciate it. And uh, then David Bell, a guy who, as we said, we had to take just so I could have better ADP when I share it with the world. So it's not, it's not so low anymore. And Isaiah Pacheco to get our chief. We got our we got our yeah. Chiefs running back there. there. Um, pretty fun team. Any uh, any last thoughts on on that team? How the draft went or anything else? Enjoy the team. As the draft went on, I started to hate it less and less and less. And, and by the <laughs> end, you know, I started to even like it. 
Yeah, which is hard when you draft out of the 110 and you draft out of the 110 and Devontae, Kelsey, Diggs, they all go. It is the most miserable. You have to force yourself to do something you know you're going to hate. So if you can turn that team into one that you like by the end, I feel like that's that's a success. There's nothing worse. Like I, I've never – I've had I've like had the glee of being on these streams to like troll the people on them of like just drafting alongside um but like it's it's entirely much worse being like the person on the stream just like with a face full of agony just being like oh um all those players that i said that you shouldn't draft like those are all the players i have to choose from and all the players that i want to draft yes are already gone and it's like yeah it's like drafting on hard mode yeah exactly <laughs> drafting wild. on hard mode it's drafting on hard mode so much that we had to talk about robert woods for a second and uh yeah, but luck, luck, <laughs> luckily luckily we realized we came we came to our senses but um we, we got to get out of here what do you got you you've been working on your best ball series what do you got coming what should the people be looking out for from you yeah so that's that's gonna be the next year to drop for sure so i i've done two already in this basketball strategy series the first was all about sort of this player archetype idea the second was about this two-tiered idea of cost and about um how i'm sort of curating my exposures and 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 doing that within each individual player's portfolio and then the last is going to be about like roster construction primarily um and so that'll probably be coming out the next week or so i'm like kind of writing it on the plane um here <laughs> and then back on uh, on monday so um that'll be the next thing on the lookout otherwise like i'm always on twitter ff underscore uh, rtdb putting out stuff and then um yeah looking forward to seeing how all these things play out come uh, come week one just getting ever closer Awesome. I will definitely be on the lookout. You guys should definitely be on the lookout for uh, those pieces. And as as Jacob said, you you definitely need to make sure to follow him. We've had a lot of fun interactions over the last year or or so. But just uh, uh, I like, you know, we don't have to talk. We don't need to get into the whole fantasy football Twitter space. But, you know, there's a lot of kind of uh, uh, engagement farming and such that's out there. So I always appreciate some of the accounts that actually make me think, make me help me learn you know, are insightful, thoughtful, et cetera. And Jacob is, is definitely one of those. I will be back on Monday. Obviously we're going to take the weekend off. Everybody go have a wonderful weekend. And uh, Josh Larkey is going to be joining me for another draft on, on, on Monday night. So you can be on the lookout for that uh, come, come Monday. But other than that, everybody have a wonderful weekend and both of us, uh, we'll see you guys uh, next time.